0: Sir John's, it's great to see you. Uh, my name is Graham, I'm part of the team that leads Jubilee and uh, if you're visiting us this morning then a, a very, very warm welcome to you. It's really good to have you uh, with us and uh, trust you're enjoying your time with us so far. We're working our way through a series on the life of David. We started that uh, just a couple of weeks ago and uh, last week looked at uh, David and Goliath uh, but I, I felt it was right to take a break from that this week and uh, just uh, uh, speak about a few things that may help us as a church as, um, as we mourn the loss of our, of our friend Carl. And I thought it'd be good for us to look at some scripture together and look at some things that the Bible has to say at a time like this that will help us with this. Okay, So if you're visiting us this morning or are looking in then uh, forgive me uh, bringing a word that is more pastoral and relevant to where we are as a church. But I'm trusting to it will serve you as well, because um, wherever you might be in your circumstance and and your life at the moment, all of us face things like this at different times. It just so happens that we're facing this together right now. And uh, it may be that you face these things at uh, another time. So I'm trusting that uh, what I have to say will be helpful to you and of benefit to you as well. Okay, does that make sense? So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at some scripture together in a moment. But I've called this morning's message, When Life Doesn't Make Sense. When Life Doesn't Make Sense. And uh, I, I, I could perhaps ask you to put your hand up if you've ever been in a situation where life doesn't make sense. And my guess is that all of us will put our hands up. It may not be right now, but probably at some point in your life, you have been in a situation where life just didn't make sense. It didn't add up and you wondered quite what was happening or what was going on. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. The American pastor, C.J. Mahaney, preached a message by this title uh, back at a leaders conference in Brighton in 2000 uh, and something or other. And I remember being there and being quite impacted by his message. And uh, I wouldn't dream of just trying to re-preach it this morning. You're better off searching it online and listening to it yourself because you'll do a far better job than I would do. But I like the title and the message has lived with me and it's helped me through different situations. And uh, he talked about the book of Habakkuk except he pronounced it Habakkuk, because he was American, and uh, half of his message was trying to get the pronunciation right. But I know it's Habakkuk, not Habakkuk, apparently. So uh, we'll, we'll see where we get with that in a moment. But whilst I don't want to preach through what he said, I, I, I felt the title was helpful to us, and that's a subject we're going to look at together. And we will look at uh, Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, uh, shortly, because uh, he's got some things that can help us. And so this, isn't, this is not a, a eulogy on Carl. Um, we'll, we'll talk about him more at his celebration uh, on the 2nd of June. And I would love for you guys to be there. Please, if you can be there, um, I want to ask you, please do come and support Penny and the family. They would love to see you. And also, just talking about that very quickly, while I think of it, uh, we will need some help practically on that day. There'll be some things that we'll just need some people to do. Uh, so if you are able to help serve on that day. Can you see David afterwards and just uh, let him know, and he'll make a note of that, and we can get back to you just in the next week or so, please. That'll be really good. So I want to look at some scripture together, and um, we'll look at some truth that the Bible has to teach us and see what God says to us as we go. So why don't we pray, and uh, then we'll get into this together. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you this morning for your great love. Thank you that you do hem us in. Thank you that we are surrounded by it. Thank you that we know it to be true. And uh, we pray, O oh God, that you would speak to us now from your word. We thank you, Lord, for this book. We thank you for the truth of this book, this, uh, your word to us. And we pray now, would you speak to us from it? Holy Spirit, would you give us open hearts and ears to hear what you want to say to us both corporately as a church and and as individuals we ask it now in jesus name amen amen well the first thing to say on this subject i think is that god has designed his world around seasons and we see that all around us and uh, kevin read from uh, ecclesiastes earlier And uh, it would be unfair for me to say he pinched half of my sermon, but it was a pretty good proportion that he was going for just then. uh, But it's great that actually he felt God speak to him from from that passage. And uh, I had that down as my first one this morning because we see that God has designed things to work in seasons, isn't he? We see that all around us. We see the seasons uh, of spring and summer, of autumn and winter, we see that plants and animals have different seasons of life and it's true to say that we do as human beings as well so the the, i'm not going to read all that kevin read earlier but uh, it starts off in ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to uproot and so the the passage went on as, as he read it to us earlier. And God has designed his world to work in seasons like this. And he's designed us to work in seasons like this as well. If you think about it, things that you did at a certain age, you probably don't do anymore. So what life was like for you as a child, where you were dependent upon either your parents or other adults who were looking after you, that is different to what life looks like And as a teenager, as you begin to learn things and emerge to take responsibility for yourself, and as you move into your 20s and, and older, life changes once again, doesn't it? Hopefully you'll have learned some lessons earlier on that stand you in good stead a little bit later. But life changes and there's a different season of life and there's a different emphasis and there's different responsibilities. And that happens as we go through life, doesn't it? Life is like that. And that's what the passage here in Ecclesiastes is trying to teach us, that there are different seasons for different things in life. And we need to learn to be responsive to these seasons and to see what God is doing in them. Ecclesiastes teaches us there's a time for life, and conversely, there's a time also for death. There's a time for growing and developing. There's a time for working and for relationships and friendships. And there's also a time for dying. But the Bible is very clear that for the Christian, this is not the end. This is not where the story finishes. We can be really sure about it. The Bible makes it very clear. So from the Apostle Paul's perspective, he felt it was actually better that he should die and go and be with Christ rather than carry on on the earth, though he wanted to be on the earth, and carry on doing what he was doing. There's sort of that tussle going on in his mind, thinking, well, I want to go and be with Jesus, but I also want to do what he's called me to do right now. And he's just trying to work out what's better. So he says in Philippians 1, verse 21, he says, But to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's also more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So he knew that ultimately it was better that he went to be with Jesus, but he also knew that right now he had some things that he needed to get on with for him. But isn't isn't it interesting? Whilst he was sure about what he was doing in life, And the ministry that God had given him and the particular group of Christians he was writing to, even at that time, he could say, it is better by far that I go and be with Christ. Even somebody who was serving God to that degree knew God's hand upon their life, was an effective minister of the gospel, could still say, but it's better that I go and be with Christ. He could say confidently elsewhere, the the verse I think John referred to earlier from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul can say, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? How can he say that? He can say that because he knows it is better by far that he goes to be with Christ. and And he's with him. So all of us move through these seasons of life and um i guess for most of us there comes an awareness at a certain age that we are moving through seasons of life and uh, and we're getting older and things change for us and things that we used to be able to do without thinking uh, perhaps we just find a little bit harder and uh, take a little bit more effort or time or energy if i can embarrass my, my my good friend Matt, when I was chatting to him yesterday, he, he played some sport for the first time in a while. and come up with a big bruise that wasn't expected. And he said, oh, I'm not 20-something anymore. Actually, he's just uh, early 30s, so he's only few years, a few years later, as you would obviously see. But <laughs> for him, there's a, a realisation, oh, it's, it's not like it used to be. And I guess that's true of most of us. Suddenly we think, oh, it's not quite like it used to be. Why not? Because seasons of life have changed. And what we do in those seasons change. And what we can do in those seasons change. And there comes a time for all of us, and none of us are exempt from this, a time to die. Somebody once said there are only two certain things in life, death and taxes. It's true, isn't it? But actually, these things come to us all. But for those who have put their trust In Jesus, for those who have a relationship with God, they know that this is not the end. They really do. They know that this season change is just that it's going now to be with Jesus and to be with Him. It is a change of season rather than everything finishing. Jesus said to the thief the thief on the cross he said today you will be with me in paradise Luke 23:43 He could confidently say to somebody that had expressed trust in him today as this guy was dying you will be with me in paradise That's hope isn't it It really is so we can be really sure that Carl is now with Jesus and we can be very sure that it's better for him by far that he's with Jesus. It's not that he's there thinking, oh, well, it isn't as good here as I hoped it would be. Wish I was still on earth. Wish I was still doing stuff. It's better for him by far, the Bible says, that he's with him. And particularly for him who has uh, had uh, a number of health challenges and was in a lot of pain and a very ill man, all that pain and suffering is now over is now gone is now finished with and so for him even more so is better for by far that is with his lord but having said all that and even perhaps understanding all that you might ask the question but why wasn't he healed why wasn't he healed that is not a bad question to ask and it's right just to take a few moments to to talk about it together why isn't everybody healed today and we can talk about a subject like that in the abstract but when it comes home and there's a particular personal individual it applies to suddenly our theology is tested isn't it oh well this is what i believe but now it's about the person that i've known and loved who is no lo- now no longer here Am I really still sure about what I believe? So why isn't everybody healed today? Well, ultimately, we're not God. We sometimes think we are, but we're not. Ultimately, we are not God. And it is not for you or for I to decide who lives and who dies. That is for God and God alone. And we are not him. Now, I did teach into this a little bit earlier in the, in the year when we talked about healing and growing in healing. We asked the question, why isn't everybody healed? So let me just recap the answer very briefly to help us again today when we face this question with uh, perhaps a bit more reality. The answer is found in understanding what the Bible calls the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And whilst it isn't an everyday phrase, it's something that Jesus talked about an awful lot. And the kingdom of God is basically where God rules and reigns. It's where he has authority. It's where he has jurisdiction. It's not a geographic place like a kingdom of a particular country, but it is where God has authority. And when someone puts their trust in Jesus, you might say the kingdom of God has come to their life because Jesus now rules in their life. The kingdom of God has come to them. If, a, if lots of people became Christians in a particular place, you might say, well, oh, the kingdom of God has come to such and such a place. You might use that sort of phraseology. And when someone is prayed for and healed in the name of Jesus, the kingdom of God is extended. As the church makes a difference in society, the kingdom of God is extended. As we bless people and love people in Jesus' name, we extend the kingdom of God. But it's also important that we understand whilst Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God and instructs his disciples to teach about it, it hasn't fully come in all its fullness yet. When Jesus returns, the kingdom of God will be here in all its fullness. There'll be no more sickness, no more pain, no death, no mourning. The kingdom of God will have come in complete fullness but right now we're not completely there sometimes people put it as the now and the not yet it's like we have a taste of the kingdom but don't see all of it yet so the reality in this situation is that whilst we pray for many some are healed and some are not and that would be be true of our experience I was talking with somebody before the meeting and they were telling me about somebody we prayed for at the prayer meeting just a couple of weeks ago. And we called on God and prayed for this individual and uh, he said it it was remarkable. The day after, he he got up and he seemed much better and almost fine and a couple of days later went back to work after a few weeks of being quite unwell. God did something as we prayed. We think God answered our prayers. There There was a healing there. God intervened. He did something. But we don't always see the answer that we want at our prayers. And particularly when we pray for healing, particularly when the kingdom of God hasn't fully come yet, we don't see everybody healed. Now, is that a reason not to pray for the sick? I don't think it is. We could back off. We could say, and I know churches that have done this, we could say it's just so painful that we're going to back off from this and not pray for anybody. But I don't believe that's what the Bible would have us do. I know it's not what Carl would have us do. (laughs) He would be livid if that was the case. (laughs) The better thing for us to do is to face how it is, look at what the Bible teaches us, and come back to God and say, Lord, would you help us? Even in the difficulty, even in the pain, even in the confusion perhaps, say, Lord, would you help us to keep going for this and to keep trusting God in it? So the kingdom of God hasn't fully come yet. We see some benefits of the kingdom and we see people healed sometimes and we will trust more and more. It's like pulling in the benefits of the kingdom now, but we're not going to get it all in fullness until Jesus returns. When he returns, things will change things will be very very different so right now we live in the in-between time we live in the middle we see a, a taste of things to come but not in full when jesus comes again he will restore all things there'll be a new heaven and a new earth there'll be no sickness no pain revelation 21 verse 4 says there'll be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. There'll be a new order that comes when Jesus returns. Amen? And this, dear friends, is something to look forward to. It really is. We can put our hope in this. Right now, we're in the in-between time. That's why there's suffering, and pain, and sickness. That's why we pray for many, trusting God, not all are healed and the truth is even those who are healed still die sometime later think of lazarus for example even for jesus he was sad that his friend had died i mean mean, it's a fascinating account isn't it but you think about it he knew he was going to raise lazarus from the dead but he was still sad he's still sad at the effects and the pain that death has caused but he raised Lazarus to, from, the, from the dead. Lazarus comes back to life. Sometime later, Lazarus would have died again and not been raised from the dead. And that's how it is. But the Bible is clear we are commanded not just to pray for the sick, but to heal the sick in Jesus' name. It's quite a strong command from Scripture, really, isn't it? And so we need to face the reality of what happens when somebody we've prayed for hasn't got better, as in the case of our, our friends here. Why are some healed? Why are some not? Ultimately, only God knows the answer. And so to sing this morning, as we did, above songs that describe and express our trust in God is so important at this time. Because we're doing two things there. We're worshipping the Lord, but we're also teaching ourselves something and encouraging one another to trust in God, even in difficult times. So songs like we sang this morning, expressing our trust and our hope in our Lord, are so important to carry on singing, especially at times like this. Because they express something that's in our hearts, that we might find hard to put into words, but those sort of songs Can help us. So we don't always know why some people are healed and some people not. But let me make one further comment on this. We know one thing for sure. It was not the fact that somehow Carl's faith was insufficient. Nor was it the fact that somehow our faith was insufficient. It would be wrong to say that. Healing is a gift of grace. It is a gift. It comes by God's grace. You don't earn it. You can't buy it. It's not that if you have enough faith and somehow work it up, then God will heal you. But if if you're not healed, it's because you don't have enough faith. We cannot say that, and it will be wrong to say that. It is fair to say that God does love faith and responds to it. But we can't just extrapolate that out into, oh, well, if someone's not healed, it's because they haven't got enough faith. The Bible doesn't say that. And we need to be careful not to say things that the Bible doesn't say. Did I explain that very well? Does that, that make sense? Is that, is that, is that, does, that, does that resonate? We need to understand what the Bible says and what it doesn't say. Because these things will help us at this time. So healing is a, a grace gift. And it's not an excuse either not to pray, nor is an excuse not to keep going and seeking to grow in healing. It's just a reality. So whilst we may not have seen Carl healed, although in some ways you could say now he has received his ultimate healing because he's with the Lord, which is better by far, as Paul said. We didn't see it on earth. I, for one will do my best to carry on being faithful to God's word and praying for the sick. Even if that's painful. Even when it's hard. And I want to encourage us this morning to do the same. To be obedient to God's command to us. Even if there's some things we need to work through in the process. We need to be real about it. It's okay to mourn. There's a time for that. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to ask questions. But ultimately, we need to come back and say, what has God said in his word? What can we build our life upon? What firm foundation is there that we can hope in and trust in and believe in? It's Jesus. And what he's revealed to us in his word. So we know that God is still God and he loves us. And we need to remind ourselves of those things, especially at times like this. So are you going through a tough time right now? Maybe you're mourning the loss of someone close. Maybe it's Carl. Maybe it's somebody else. Maybe there's another mourning for you. I want to encourage you this morning, if that's you, remember that God is still god he is still on the throne he still loves you and is for you and has a purpose for your life i want to encourage you in these things the difference for us as christians is we don't go through those things alone jesus says he is with us that he will never leave us never forsake us he walks those through those things with us he will not let you go what about Habakkuk we talked about him a little bit earlier what does he have to say that might help us in this situation well if you're going to turn to Habakkuk chapter 3 we're going to look at just a few verses together and the book of Habakkuk is a conversation between the prophet Habakkuk or Habakkuk and God it's a record of his struggles his questions and the answer that he gets But it's clear that this conversation is not just for him. It's for a wider audience as well. And so it helps us today. We don't have time to read the whole book, but it's not a very long one, and you might want to read it at home this week. I think it would help you if you did. We only have time to read a few verses from chapter 3, which is at the end of his book. And we're going to read from verse 17. So this is Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Habakkuk says this, though the fig tree does not bud and though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights a wonderful conclusion if you read through the rest of the book you'll see it's a great conclusion to his struggles and his conversation with the lord it's a helpful passage to us and what habakkuk is saying here is he says that though these things will happen though there are things that he expects should happen even if they don't he will still trust in god that's what he's saying here And not only will he still trust in God, but he will still rejoice in his God as well. The sovereign Lord, he says in verse 19, is my strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And so in the midst of any season of life, you need to know the sovereign Lord is your strength. When things are going well, God is your strength, not your circumstance. And when things are not going well, God is your strength in those times as well. The psalmist puts it like this in Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. God is our refuge and strength. So, your strength, your ability to cope in certain situations or with certain circumstances does not come from well rehearsed sound bites. It comes from knowing that God is your strength. Now, I know for some of you this morning, I know some of the circumstances and challenges that you're facing, some of the things that have been going on in your lives some of the situations may be in your families i want to say to you this morning god is your strength and for those of you who have got situations that i don't know about maybe even no one else knows about let me say it to you as well god is your strength he really is he really is so for habakkuk let's be clear he is describing a situation of absolute peril and disaster. This is not just a bad afternoon. This is awful. He says, though the fig tree doesn't bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, this is not looking good for him, is it? The situation he describes is catastrophic. It's beyond our imagination. It's the worst possible scenario you can imagine made worse. Though there is no food, though the uh, crops do not come through, though there is nothing to eat, though there is no hope, really, and no hope of any food, even in that situation, what does he say? He says though that happens verse 18 yet i will rejoice in the lords i'll be joyful in god my savior david Pryor, in his commentary on habakkuk says this listen to what he says it is one thing to thank and praise god for all the good things in our lives to rejoice in our blessings it is quite another to rejoice in the midst of nothing when all these blessings have been summarily and completely removed The prophet has learned to rejoice, not in any particular quantity or quality of blessings, but in God himself. God never changes. If we learn, if we are liberated to find our joy in the Lord, regardless of any good things we may or may not receive at his hand, then he remains a continuous source and cause of rejoicing. It's a good quote, isn't it? Friends, it is so important that we find happiness and contentment in God himself, not in the good things that you may have received from his hand. That's not to say you don't thank him for those good things. Of course you do. But ultimately, our trust and our strength comes from God himself and who he is, not in any blessings that you may or may not have received. The Apostle Paul puts it like this, and we'll finish with this in a moment. Philippians 4, verse 11. Paul says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do this through him who gives me strength. Paul could say that because he had learnt what Habakkuk had learnt. You need to trust and know that your strength comes from God and who he is, not from what he may or may not have blessed you with and learning that secret as paul puts it like that i learned the secret he says of being content and you can imagine you can imagine his his listeners or readers thinking you learn the secret quick tell us what it is what is this secret of being content it's this it's this it's exactly what habakkuk says here though these things happen yet i will rejoice in the lord i will be Joyful in God, my Saviour. Because Habakkuk and Paul and Cole knew what it was to trust in their Lord regardless of what blessings came or didn't come from his hands. So let me ask you as we begin to wrap up, is that true of you? Is that true of you? And also for you this morning, what is your though? Habakkuk said, though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, though the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stores, yet I will still rejoice in my God, he says. What is your though this morning? For you, what is it? It might be Though Carl wasn't healed. What is your though this morning? Is it though the relationship that you hoped for didn't work out? Though the job that you applied for didn't come through? Though so-and-so let you down? Though you were lied about behind your back? What is your though this morning? And what are you trusting God in the midst of even now? Though your health has failed you, though your prayers were not answered perhaps in the way you hoped for. Have you learned the secret of being content even in that situation? I think if I'm honest this morning, this is a lesson that we need to learn over and over again is that fair i think it's a lesson we learn in some circumstances and then something else happens and we need to learn it again we remind ourselves we learned it before and we go oh, i remember this and then we apply it to a new situation and that's okay that's okay it's okay to come to the lord and say i do believe <laughs> help me with my unbelief as somebody once said to jesus and that's fine to say that. So let me ask you, have you learned the secret of being content? Even though you might have a though that's quite prominent in your life right now, have you still learned what it is to trust in the Lord? Can we stand together? Um, I'd love the uh, musicians to come back if there's any chance of that. I can see some of them. great I'd love us to sing in a moment and express our love and faith and trust in the Lord maybe one of the songs that we sang earlier could, we could sing again that would help us what is your though this morning have you learned what it is to trust in the Lord in that situation and circumstance? Let's just have a moment of quiet together. And I just want to encourage you to pray, just to be before the Lord, and bring to Him what your though is right now. It might be about Carl. It might be about something else. What is your though? right now just bring it before the lord and say lord help me to trust you even though just bring it to him now just in these moments you might want to lift your hands just feel god's going to come to many of you and bring strength just feel God wants to do that this morning bring strength to many here as you express to the lord you're though though this hasn't worked out though that didn't happen, though whatever it might be, just bring it to him now. In a moment I'm going to pray and I'm trusting God's going to come. By his Spirit, I'm going to strengthen many of you in your though, in your hoped for, in your pain in your mourning and loss God's going to come by his spirit this morning let's lift our hands to him Lord Jesus we thank you for what Habakkuk could say though these things didn't happen that were expected though the situation looked bleak though there was no hope even though all those things had happened he could still say that he trusted in you and rejoiced in you and Lord we want to be able to say that as well and so I pray right now Holy Spirit would you come and would you bring strength in Jesus name Lord where there is pain mourning loss Confusion, disquiet, questioning. Lord, in all those, those, I pray for your strength to come in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that like Habakkuk, we would be able to say, though this didn't happen, still I trust in the Lord, my Saviour. Lord, what was true for him in those verses, be true for us. Holy Spirit, come and do it now, please. Right across this room, would you come and bring strength, Lord? I ask you for it. Come bring strength, Lord. Come and do it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to finish our time together now by worshipping the Lord and declaring our trust in him. As we do that, if you would particularly like to receive prayer this morning, then we'd love to pray for you. And if there are some particularly big foes that you're facing right now, we'd love to pray for you. And if you want to come just to the front while we sing and worship, there'll be others that will come quickly and gather around you and minister God's grace and love and presence to you. We don't have much time now, so you need to come just as we sing and there'll be others that can come and pray with you. So let's sing to the Lord, let's declare our trust in Him. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Website at www.jubilee.org.uk and we'll come along on any Sunday morning.